here today with uh, uh, President Sam Stanley, and uh, we're joined uh, on the program with our uh, our acting provost, uh, uh, Teresa Sullivan. So thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. When you joined us uh, as provost, uh, it was exciting to me because uh, we're both uh, alums of James Madison College, which is uh, uh, near and dear to my heart. And um, and so I have some questions about that later. But let's start with, uh, uh, for those that might not be aware, what is a provost? <laughs> you know, it's an old military term, and most people aren't too familiar with it outside the college setting. But the provost is the chief academic officer, which means the provost is ultimately responsible for the faculty from hiring to retirement and for the students from admission to graduation. In coming back to MSU, and obviously you've been been connect, connected and uh, and have been back many times over the years. But uh, any any surprises uh, uh, now that you're you're sort of knee, knee deep in things as provost? Uh, any uh, anything that's uh, struck you as is maybe unexpected? Gee, I think that uh, the new buildings are quite exciting. That's different. Uh, but Michigan State was about this size when I was an undergraduate, and that all feels very familiar including the fact that this campus never feels crowded despite the number of people who are on it every day. And I think that's partly because of the beautiful grounds, which has always been to me one of the distinguishing factors about Michigan State. You spent uh, uh, your early part of your career as as provost at the University of Michigan. Then you went on to uh, become president at the University of Virginia. And uh, after a, a very successful time spent there, uh, decided to retire. President Stanley uh, twisted your arm back into service here temporarily uh, as we search for a for a provost. Yeah, as you think about uh, uh, your your career and, and and your time spent in in higher education, um, how has it changed since since you since your earlier days of your career? I think one of the really important changes has been a mindset change from the university as the sieve that, you know, is essentially involved in a weeding out function for those who are not worthy to be here. Um, the The old phrase about look to your right, look to your left, only one of you will be here. I think that's changed to the view that if you got admitted, we have a responsibility to make it possible for you to succeed. Um, and I know President Stanley has an important student success agenda. I think that's a real difference. And it shows up in lots of things. It shows up in the ways we teach, greater attention paid to advising, generally just making it easier for students to figure out what it is they need to do to graduate. That's different. I would say when I was here, it was more a matter of, here's a maze. Let's see if you're bright enough to run it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's really been, a, I'd say, a seismic shift and, and one for the better. Uh, and how we think about it, and you know this just whole concept of student success, um, as as Terry said, as opposed to let's be elite and weed out as many people as we can, and we'll proclaim to the world how elite we are and how many people we turned away to educate so few. Um, that that really has changed, and uh, I, I think, as I said before, for the better. And I think MSU is is uniquely poised to participate, and you know, but it really does help give us our. Uh, markings on where we need to be going in terms of doing even better in helping students who we deem successful ability to have to be successful at MSU to give them the opportunity to really succeed. And so I think that to me becomes a, a critical part of as we do strategic planning for the future is how we integrate these concepts of student success and everything we're doing. But I'd say it also involves a mindset change all the way down to the individual student. 
faculty members need to think about the problems students are having in learning and trying to help them overcome those problems. That's often hard if you're a faculty member. You're really gifted in the subject. You don't really see why it's not obvious to everybody else. So you have to try and put yourself in the student's shoes. And for the students, it means shifting from a mindset which says, I'm, I'm having trouble at this, so I'm not naturally good at it. So I should quit this field and go do something else. Instead, we'd like students to think, this is hard, but I've done hard things. I can learn this. And persevere in the kinds of difficult courses that often lead to more rewarding majors. As we think about you know, the mission of the university and something that's always been uh, dear to my heart is the, the land-grant mission, which really calls out a mission of, of service to our community and you know, through uh, research-based outreach, you know, how does that connect between you know, the faculty member, the student? How does that provide for a, a richer experience for our students? Michigan State's one of the top 10 schools in the country in terms of service learning, which means an integration of outreach into the community with your classroom work. And so faculty members here have become very good at looking for ways to help their students apply their knowledge in a real setting. That's also good for the student. It helps them see immediately how their knowledge can be applied. And it also helps them think about, oh, is this a field in which I might want to pursue work after graduation? So it works for everybody. And I think it's really important, as Terry said, those kinds of experiences actually matter to student success. So bringing us back to the topic we were talking about before, we know that students who get engaged in this type of learning um, are more likely to succeed and more likely to graduate. So it's really a a wonderful, virtuous circle from that point of view. And how uh, how does study abroad play into that? Well, study abroad is another one of those experiences which is uh, deeply transformational for students, especially students who may not have grown up in a family that went abroad for vacations. Uh, When you do surveys of students after they graduate, if they studied abroad, they list it as the most important educational experience they had. It's partly the immersion in a different culture, seeing how people in other places do things differently. It's partly the opportunity to learn in a different setting, and in many cases, to apply what you've already learned in a new setting. And MSU has been a leader in that area for a number of years and I think has a great track record in doing this. And I think uh, at at one of the ceremonies I was at, people were asked to raise their hand if they'd had a study abroad experience and and fully it looked like a third to uh, almost a half of the audience raised – of the students in that audience raised their hand. So it really very much permeates the experience at MSU. It's – I know that as a – not only as an employee of the university but as a a person who's been – parent of two students at the university, both of whom have had a study abroad opportunity, it is, a, it is really a life-changing experience. And uh, uh, my, uh, my daughter uh, studied abroad in Germany. Uh, my son went to Greece on a study abroad that was uniquely Spartan-oriented, and, uh, and both had, had really life-changing experiences and, and, and uh, had a spectacular time of it. Yeah. Um, did they actually visit Sparta as part of their? They reading? did. Uh, yeah. They so did. That, it was. Uh, it was really something. Better. And and yeah. I and I'm very jealous because yeah. I I've had an opportunity to to do a fair bit of travel, but uh, 
but have never gotten there. So uh, maybe someday. And I think one of the things that we, we want to do is make even a bigger effort to provide those opportunities for students. So that's a focal area for us in scholarship and, and raising because sometimes students may see a barrier to going abroad. The travel costs may be a barrier to them. So just getting scholarships in the one to $2,000 range can make a difference in a student's ability to go travel overseas. So that's something we always want to be considering as we're doing our fundraising. And one thing that we've been very good at, we we have a lot of our own study abroad programs led by our own faculty members. And often that gives parents some peace of mind because they know that there is someone they view as a responsible adult who will be there along with their student uh, traveling abroad. I also want to mention that students who study abroad have more job opportunities open to them as well because many employers these days are looking for people who can work in multinational work groups because they've got themselves a supply chain abroad. They've got markets abroad. They want to have workers who feel comfortable working in more than one nationality. So in my experience, I uh, grew up in in Lansing, um, did my undergraduate work here at Michigan State, went away to law school briefly, but then came back and have really been at MSU ever since. Uh, as a person who's uh, been at a number of, of very prestigious universities, what makes MSU unique? What's what's different about MSU? I think the land-grant mission really permeates life here at MSU in a way it does not at many schools. I think there's a real sense of mission here that we do something different, um, that we give a chance to the students who might not otherwise have had a chance. Uh, I think there's also just the huge variety of subjects you can study at Michigan State, an exceptionally broad range, really. And uh, that offers students the opportunity, they don't have to major in those fields, but at least to take a course in an area that might not even be available to them somewhere else. And then there's the great diversity of the student body. You rub shoulders with students from 100 foreign countries, as well as 50 states in the union. It gives you a real opportunity to think and Uh, interact with people who may not think and interact the same way you do. And I think that sense of pride uh, as well, I think that's something I've I've, I've seen. Someone who's really come in from the outside is how proud people are to be Spartans. And again, um, you mentioned the fact that Terry is very proud to have been a a graduate of James Madison College at MSU. And I think that kind of sense of identity of being a Spartan and what that stands for and what the school means to the state and to the world, I think, is is a very powerful thing as well. And to switch gears just for a second – one of the things that's very impressive uh, about Terry is that you know she's you know obviously doing all this all the administrative work at UVA and here, but she's remained her uh, continuing her work as a scholar as well. And she has two books coming out, I think, which I'm, I'm incredibly impressed by. I've never written a book actually. Articles, never a book. Um, two books uh, coming out are just out now. Could could you just tell the audience a little about those? Sure. One of these is um, called The Fragile Middle Class, published by Yale, and it's actually a Uh, the 2020 version of a book that was originally published 20 years ago. It was sufficiently successful that Yale wanted to bring it back out again for a new generation of students. Um, The second one came out in the E-edition yesterday. It's called Census 2020, Understanding the Issues, very timely because the 2020 census is upon us. It'll be out in um, hard form next month, but now you can get it electronically from Springer. That's very exciting, and that I think that speaks to the role of uh, not only uh, the, the the faculty member's administrator, but the faculty member as a, a disseminator of, of information and, and and research, and and the ability to juggle those balls is pretty extraordinary. That's uh, that's pretty special. One of the things that uh, 
I always find interesting the sort of the, the older I get and uh, the uh, maybe, maybe the less uh, the, the further I am from my my undergraduate experience is how uh, how for young people that are current students and they see um, a, a person who's a senior administrator and and in some ways it's sort of uh, uh, challenging for them to sort of mentally accept that we were in their shoes once upon a time and uh, that, that we were all undergraduate students uh, once upon a time. As, as, you, uh, as you think back to uh, your undergraduate time at MSU, what sticks out? Was there a, a unique moment or, or experience or, or a class or a faculty member that, that you go back to as a, as a pivotal moment in, in, in shaping you as a person? Uh, gee, I think the introductory policy class at James Madison was really a revelation to me. Um, a team taught class that really went heavily into the classics of philosophy, American history, sociology, and economics. Um, and there were many formative classes I took later on, but I also remember particularly the friend group that I developed at James Madison. They've been lifelong friends of mine. We interact with each other all the time. Now we can do it electronically, which makes it much easier. Um, they were formative influences on me then, and they still are. That's uh, very similar to my experience. I, uh, uh, the, the, I lived on 6 North Case Hall, and the, the, some of the people I met freshman year uh, in our, our Madison classes that lived on that floor uh, remain lifelong friends. And, uh, and, and we still... Uh, Depending on our perspective, either love or lament uh, the Federalist Papers. So, uh, uh, all from that introductory policy class. So, we've got a, a, a number of uh, big projects going on at MSU, uh, from some of the construction projects that you mentioned to the uh, the modernization of uh, of the backbone of our our IT system uh, that students deal with. Mm -hmm. um, I, how and as a student, I think you, uh, uh, or or even as a faculty member, you sort of go to those systems or go to those uh, those those databases, and uh, and they just sort of always work. And it's easy to to uh, to miss the fact that there are uh, sometimes hundreds of folks behind the scenes that that build and and, and fix and and troubleshoot and interact with with all those systems and processes. How much is that a part of the the daily life of the of the provost, making sure that sort of all of the stuff behind the curtain is is is, is functioning and uh, uh, in, in such a seamless way? Well, I think there's two important conversations I've been involved in there. One of them is about our student information system, SIS, which has reached the end of its working life. It's no longer being uh, serviced by its original uh, commercial provider. Um, and we now have, because departments linked into it, we have some 480 uh, departmental programs that are linked to it. So you don't just change the backbone; you got to change all the everything else that uh, is a uh, is feeding from the backbone. And that's going to be a, that's a really complicated process. So we've spent a year thinking about the technical aspects of it from the backbone perspective. The next year we're going to spend talking with the users about their perspective so that we can be sure that when we flip the switch, everything really does work the way it should. The other conversation is around electronic medical records. And uh, that's an issue for our student health center, also for our clinical practice. 
And um, electronic medical records are heavily regulated by the federal government. There aren't very many providers. And student health services often need somewhat different bells and whistles on their electronic medical record than uh, than other uses do. Um, so again, we're in the we're talking about what would best suit our needs and what do we need to do there. I think the you know CIS system is extraordinarily important, essentially, for the university. So as, as the provost said, this has to be done right. Um, there's really no margin for for failing in it. It's a core business, if you will. I mean, we don't talk about the university sometimes as a business, but this is core to our business practices. At the same time, it's core to those things related to student success as well, because if used well, it can become a source of big data that allows you to take a look at things like um, recruitment of students, um, whose targets that we can look at, allows you to really measure better our success of our advising and how we advise students and what's the data that tells students. If you take this sequence of courses your freshman year, you're more likely to not be able to move on to the major you want. So this is how you should change the sequence of courses to be more effective for you. Giving that kind of individualized learning is very much data uh, dependent. And so again, this SIS system has to allow us to get into those data fields uh, if we're going to be successful again in advising students and helping them navigate and succeed in MSU. So stakes are high um, and it's got to be done right. And uh, I appreciate the fact that Terry has come in along with Melissa Wu, our new CIO, to really take a look at that project and make sure that, as she said, when we flip the switch, it's going to be able to work. It won't have all the capabilities I've talked about in its first iteration. Some of those will come over time. But we've got to make sure that the core functions work really well as we turn it on to begin with. You know, we're a very uh, very complex organization with so many opportunities for majors and different programs and uh, uh, and certainly the, the coursework that you, you need to take for one isn't necessarily compatible with another and 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 having the tools that help you sort through that and help guide you through that process are are critically important. So so Terry, one last question. Um, I, I as a person who's worked with the provost for a number of years, it's it's not a role that I would necessarily describe as as always fun. But uh, what's the what's the most uh, fun thing that you've been able to experience? Uh, um, a, a memorable experience from your time thus far as provost? Um, when you're a provost, the best day of the year is graduation. And the December graduation was really a highlight. Uh, the students are happy. Their parents are happy. Uh, it's, um, it, it's a great time to see what's best about what we do. And I'm really looking forward to the May graduation for the same reason. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. It's a, an extraordinarily a busy and important role, and thanks for taking time out of your day to, to join us. Uh, and uh, we uh, wish you well in your, your remaining time in the role. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And on behalf of Michigan State University and all its alumni and supporters, thank you again for your willingness to come on in the interim provost role. We're, we're very, and I am very grateful to be, <laughs> have the opportunity to work with you. We're honored to have you on board. Thank, thank you. you.